Hello and welcome back to Ranking 76, where we are continuing our journey on ranking the most notorious and infamous Western outlaws in American history. I am Eric. And I'm Matt. And today we are doing our first woman, and it is Calamity Jane. <gasps> Calamity Jane! A name pretty much everyone knows, I feel like, especially if you've watched Deadwood, which, if you haven't watched Deadwood... There was a 19... 19- something way old my dad always watched it a nice musical on calamity jane there's a i didn't know that she yeah she's a rootin tootin singer was but he always watched it remember that line in about i don't know a minute or so we'll get on her singing voice but yeah i had no idea is that all you know about her is sing are you gonna sing through the episode i probably am (laughs) Great. I can't wait for this. I was going to say, she's the rootinest, tootinest cowboy in the wild, wild west. Oh, goodness. I want more. Okay. So, we should probably start off by saying that she did write her own autobiography. Uh, However, it's not really reliable. So, we're going to touch on what she said in her book and mm, probably not use it little else other than that, other than for entertainment. So... We're going to start off, we probably need to start off that there is a lot that is unknown and really confusing about her early life. In her autobiography, she says she was born on May 1st, 1852 in Preston, Missouri, but because of reasons we'll go to in a minute, that isn't likely accurate. Her age gap may be anywhere between 1847 and 1860, literally 13 years. I was going to say, that's a pretty big gap of when she could have been uh, born. The most common year, and what I'm going to use the most, is 1856. So that's where we're putting that pin in it. Uh, She was, if she was born to a Robert, or she may have been born to a Robert and Charlotte Canary, and was the oldest of two brothers and three sisters. If Robert was her father, he may have been a preacher. If her father's name was actually Dalton, he may have been a soldier. If Charlotte was indeed her mother, uh, she may not have had the best reputation as far as polite society would think, as her mother would shock people with her drinking, smoking, and swearing. However, this comes from neighbors years after the fact in Princeton, Missouri, after Jane becomes more famous, and they may not have been thrilled that a personality like Calamity Jane is associated with their town. And if there's one thing we know from watching true crime documentaries is that neighbors cannot be trusted worth anything. That's hilarious, though. I feel like I was going to say when you were saying like it could be Dalton or what was the other one's name? Um, uh, Charlotte was the uh, could have been the mom. It's like, man, do we need to get these guys on Maury or what? You are not the father. I would love a Maury episode <laughs> on Calamity. Man. We don't even really know if her last name was Canary. It may have came from a nickname she gained years later from her singing voice. Mm-hmm. Sounds beautiful, doesn't it? Too bad the canary they're talking about is not a bird. It's a Rocky Mountain canary. You may know it as a mule. That's where she got her that's where she got the nickname from? That's where she may have gotten her surname from. Oh, gotcha. Because she sang like a mount, a Rocky Mountain Canary. Sang like a mule. Gotcha. A mule. gotcha. So 
Enjoy that musical, would you? Sounds like me. Nah, I mean you have a a, a you have a voice. I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, you will notice Martha is not in any way can be associated with the name Jane. This is a nickname fairly common for women of the time period. Think like a Jane Doe. Looking at her story, I think this is more of a Karen type nickname. So in brief, we have a character whose name, who we don't really, may not know her parents, may not know her first name, and may not know her last name. So I'm really getting a Billy the Kid vibe right now. It's not far off. It really isn't. The story we're going to go with is that her farmer was a far was a farmer, uh, but he wasn't a very good one and is forced to sell her farm in 1862, which is what we are saying. Martha is six years old. He then wants to bring his out his family out west to Montana to pan for gold. The family was in a dire way, having to accept charity, looking knocking from door to door. Martha's father would mine for gold and her mother would wash clothes for pay. Martha would help her mother, and in the years later in a newspaper, they would write of Jane's parents of being of the lowest grade. Now, other than those newspaper accounts, it just seems like these people were trying to live, and they're trying to put on Jane's reputation on them. But really no reason for anyone else to write that down in the moment, so we don't really know. Martha doesn't talk much about her childhood, obviously. Other than that while they were moving, she would hang out with a lot of the hunters on the trail and that she liked riding horses, hunting, and just being outside. Martha's mother dies possibly of pneumonia in 1864. Her father then moves the family to Salt Lake City, Utah. Long after she, she is famous, a passerby would tell a story of running into Martha and her family, saying that he and her father had heard so much of Utah what the Mormons were going to do to make this land a paradise that he, that he wanted to join the Mormon church. However, her father dies a year later. Does it say what, what he died from? Doesn't really say, but he moved them out there cause they were, they heard all these tales of the Mormons and what they were going to do to the land. Okay. Right. Oh, what they're going to do. Cause they're, they're building Salt Lake city. Brigham Young is a big uh, actually, Brigham Young still alive? I still think he is. Uh, he'll get an episode. Because it's not really known how her fathers die, and there's little evidence of how her mother died, there's a lot of stories that pop up after the fact. One is that a native tribe actually slaughtered her parents, and Jane was able to survive. Another twist on that story is that her mother was actually shot in the eye with an arrow and traveled to eight days to Fort Laramie carrying her child on her back. Now, that's obviously not likely for reasons other than there are more than one child. It's not more than just Jane. She had brothers and sisters. This time period does explain why we truly don't know how old Martha is. Because in order for her and her siblings not to be taken in for adoption, she may have lied about her age. So that she could take care of them. Correct. So that they wouldn't need to separate. However, it doesn't, the tactic doesn't work. There's a story of her brother going to jail. They, uh, however, most of her siblings are likely adopted. It's not even clear if Martha even keeps in contact with her brother, but there are stories of her writing her sisters and keeping in contact. It's just not really known. I don't believe any of those letters survive. And I mean, I guess when they're moving out that way, 
obviously records and stuff aren't kept. So they're not gonna they're not gonna be able to just oh yeah, they passed by on this day at this time because we wrote it down. Right. Other than Martha's autobiography, there's really no way and we'll get into why we don't even know her parents' name. Okay. Um in a bit. But Martha hangs around Utah for a while taking a job at a boarding house. Story of her, of her possibly running a prostitution ring come out, uh, but that depends on what timeline you want to believe. Uh, she may have either have been nine or 20 years old. She starts drifting and moves from Wyoming during this during the gold excitement. She follows the railroad lines and meets a man, a man named John Borner, a supply train operator between Salt Lake City and the mining camps. She starts making runs with him uh, when he breaks his leg. After John had recuperated, he helps secure her a job at a hotel. During her drifting, she becomes more familiar with saloons and starts drinking heavily and gambled as much as well as any man in the bar. She works all sorts of jobs. One as an ox team driver, a waitress, a cook, a laundress, a nurse, a dance hall girl, and yes, possibly prostitution. Jack of all trades right there, or Jane of all trades. Hey, hey look at you. Yeah, and I think a lot of people, like, they look at the prostitution thing and that's what people are going to grab to. I don't think it can be stressed enough. There isn't a lot of career advancement for women in this time, especially mm-hmm. out West. So there's really... Yes, waitress, cook, laundress. We really just went through the gambit of jobs that women can do. Oxen team driver, that's probably a little bit different. That's obviously a little different, but nurse, you could teach. There's just not a whole lot for them to do. So what we're about to see is Jane, just by sticking out, by doing mannish things, she really sticks out. So uh, we're going to jump the timeline just a little bit. But when Jim took to liking to a saloon, she literally wanted to live in it. A bar owner about a decade later say, said, quote, she would bring rough men into my place and make them spend their money freely thinking that she was boosting my business. Thinking she was doing him a favor, she would then actually sleep in the back room during the day. The owner, frustrated, even threw her in the cellar one morning when Martha began cussing him out and she was later arrested and was later chased out of town. Because she thought she deserved, or she wanted to stay in the saloon, so she would bring him all this money. Right, because I'm bringing men into your bar, let alone it wasn't the client, it wasn't the type of people you want in your bar, but they're here, they're spending money, they probably wrecked the place after, but I brought them here, let me go sleep in the back room. Now, this is likely just a woman who needed to sleep in that back room because where else is she going to sleep? She's literally orphaned. Her, her family is literally like scattered or dead. I mean, obviously if she needed a place, that's going to be the the closest place to like a warm bed, if you will. She's, she's trying to survive is what she's trying to do. And that's really going to be her entire story is Jane trying to survive. I guess I'm just picturing in my head, like uh like a frat person that, you know, that just parties all night and just like passes out in the back room and then comes out at like four or five. Let's party again. Right. Come out really hungover, but yeah, sleeps during the day and then comes out and uh, wants to start the, start the day all over again. So 
A description of a night for Jane is a dramatized story, but from the time, but it is a pretty accurate uh, depiction according to the main source that I use. Uh, Martha is talked about in a, in a point of view of a visitor into the Black Hills. The visitor sees Calamity Jane having a drink in Custer and makes and mistakes her for a young man. Later, she plays cards with three men and is now dressed with a, like a woman. She calls for another round of drinks and, and downed her wine. When she loses uh, a game of cards, her eyes glare. She throws down her cards and pushes back at the table and pounds her fists on the bar, but the men persuade her to return. This time, she is more successful and laughs off with delight. She then beats them in, in the card game. In another scene in this play, Jane is dancing with three other women in a dress. A man exclaims loudly, Gentlemen, would you please prepare for the dance? One after another, they take a girl and assume their places on the floor. While the music starts, Calamity comes to the bar with a rough-looking man and says, Give me a cigar. She then lights it, walks off, smokes it for a moment, and then throws it away. <laughs> when another call for a dance come, two of the girls are drunk and stagger. The third one is loud and noisy. Calamity is quiet on this occasion. She dances modestly, and at the conclusion of the dance, parties uh, at the dance, all parties head to the bar. The three girls drink whiskey with the men. Calamity takes wine. Keep in mind, this is a fictional account, but this may have been a fairly typical night for Jane. She wasn't loud or boisterous all of the time. Right. Some nights she just wa observed. Right. Well, I mean, it sounds like she could have swindled those guys. Probably. We'll get into it. Going back to reality now. She would approach a man and let her elbows on the bar blow smoke in their eyes, and they could talk with confidential whispers. Jane not afraid to curse them off if their questions maybe got a little bit too intimate. She may have also been willing to pay to play with a gun, and she was willing to tell anyone that when this dog barks, somebody drops. She would also say, to hell with the consequences. Hey. <laughs> mind blown it's the quote it's the round it finally makes sense it makes sense they're all quotes as if that wasn't clear by wild bills so yeah that's where we get to hell with the consequences she even enjoyed being in a fight and would even jump into it even if she wasn't part of it she would quote knock them left and right until she stood triumphantly above the sprawling mortals Supreme then, she would only calmly call for drinks and while stimulated, while stimulated, dream of her infernal glory. Jane would make herself, quote, blind looking through the bottom of her glass. She would be arrested multiple times for being drunk in public. One occasion, Martha reportedly became so drunk that she took off her clothes and paraded naked up and down the streets while singing in a very loud voice. Oh, please. Who hasn't done that before? We're going streaking! The stories get a little bit taller for Martha during this period. The first mentions of her and Wild Bill Hickok pop up in 1869. Of them, possibly marrying an owlboy. 
Uh, she would also warn him of attempted assassination plots. Uh, she would also have been 14 years old. And this is the best we know that she was likely living in, in Wyoming while Bill was in Abilene. Jane claims during this time in her autobiography that she scouted for Custer in 1870. And even being one of the best shots in the camp, it's unsure if this is true as no soldier ever wrote of calamity or a woman being a better shot than them. Likely what a, one of them would have written that down in their diary. If something like this would have happened while she may not have been with Custer, this does start. She does start become more of a camp follower as we head into the 1870s. More concrete stories in place in 1874 at Cooney and coffee's road ranch, uh, where the owner is described as the PT Barnum of the West. Uh, who may have recruited Jane in a prostitution ring. Just as an example of why you don't mess with Calamity Jane is she threatens to stab a man for laughing at her and she was arrested for stealing clothes. Even for the trial, she actually had to borrow her dress because she did not have one of her own and she was acquitted and goes through her typical three-day bender. Oh, jeez. So she got found not guilty and just just partied it up for the next three days. Just went to go hunting for new charges. Right. <laughs> sounds like she is a troublemaker. She sounds like a frat boy. Well, I mean, what did you say? She was right around the age of 14 to 20 something, probably. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's right around that age where you're young. You're not very smart. Yeah. I was looking for a better word, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, and I I can't you can't go back into it enough. Like she has no family. Like yes, yeah, she's entering her teen years alone. What do you expect is going right, to happen? Right. And I mean, she had lost her parents years ago, so it's not like they. I, I mean, a bunch of who knows who uh, raised her. Yeah. Have you seen Deadwood? Uh. Uh-uh. Okay. Not. There is a storyline. Not only is Calamity Jane in it. Uh, but there is a storyline with a very young um, Kristen Bell. Okay. And she's like a 16-year-old, like, teen brat trying to take advantage of, like, not the type of character Calamity Jane is, but kind of that youthful ignorance, like, going in full bore. And that's where I feel like Jane is at. Like, nobody is controlling her. Um, so she's just going to latch onto anything. Okay. That's, I mean, I'm... I mean, I can see that that's probably somewhat true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know that for sure. I just that's just me shooting from the hip. But very few people would actually call her Martha Canary. Uh, Instead, they used her nickname. And as you would guessed it, just like Bill, there are multiple versions of how she got her nickname. It is also confusing that she is not the only Calamity Jane. There's multiple Calamity Janes in that time. It's a yes, in that in the same time period, there's like two other ones. Uh, so you have to track on what area of Wyoming or Idaho or South Dakota that they're not, or I guess Dakota territory. Um, there's multiple ones. So a lot of these stories kind of get built up to Jane, to Martha because she's kind of the last woman standing at the end of it. But we'll go into that later. Why? she becomes the more famous. So 
real quick, there's multiple uh, Calamity Janes, but not only are there multiple, they're all roughly in the same area. It's a common nickname. Is I shouldn't say common nickname, but also the standard for a woman to be a calamity, probably not very high. Right. I mean, look at her get in trouble a little bit, cause some ruckus calamity. There you are. Right. She has a bad reputation in a territory where there's not many women. So one being a woman alone, you're going to stick out, let alone if you're in the saloon drinking with the men. So while you were doing research, was it, was it tough to, was it tough to separate them or the other ones aren't really documented that well? Other documented, but the, the main source I used, um, did a really good job of saying like, this is why we're tracking this Jane and not these other two. It's because this is where we believe she lived while this one may have been in Kansas. This one may have been back in Missouri, like that kind of thing. So they tried sticking with Martha Canary rather than a calamity Jane. Right. And I'm thinking back in the time though, they probably all took credit for what the other one was doing. If that was a common area, like if, like the stories got out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was me. Yeah, and I and where that's going to be the the theme for Martha here. Not to give too much away, but and honestly, why wouldn't you? Like, right, right. I mean, if you're becoming more well known as calamity, and there's other calamities, yeah, like yeah, the, 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 yeah, that's who they're talking about. Yeah, me. I'll make right. my reputation bigger. Why not? Right. She may have gotten her nickname playing poker. Jane was not a particularly good loser. And when she would lose, she would throw up her hands and cry out, what a calamity. She must have said this enough times because one one man, knowing he had won the hand, throws down in cars and says, well, Jane, here's another calamity. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> really smug. <laughs> I can just see the finger, the finger guns. <laughs> Calamity. I like it. <laughs> she did work as a nurse in South Dakota. And when a recovering soldier may have just simply called her our angel in Calamity. But the most famous story, and it's the most famous because it's the one Jane put in her autobiography. Is that she was with Captain Egan when he was fighting the Nez Perce, what she called the Nursey Percy. <laughs> and then you're turning yourself around. <laughs> That's what it's all about. She's fighting the Nez Perce in 1872-73 near Goose Creek, Wyoming, where modern day Sheridan. Captain Egan was in command of the post and troops were ordered to shut down the tribal uprising. After a couple of days, the soldiers were heading back to camp and were ambushed by a large group of, of Nursey Percy. Egan was the first to be shot out and fell from his horse. Martha then explains, quote, I was riding it, riding in advance and I'm hearing the fire ring out. I turned to my saddle and saw a captain reeling in his saddle. She then galloped up to Egan, lifted him on her horse, and carried him back to the post where he recovered, where the grateful captain laughed off and said, Calamity, I hereby name you Calamity Jane, the heroine of the plains. Oh, jeez. I, I totally see that happening. Did you hear the trumpets in the background? 
Calamity. 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 All the soldiers in the back were just watching. Calamity. Calamity. I just see the guy like take off his hat as she walks by, you know, as he's shedding a couple tears. Oh my God. It's her. I'm so inspired. I think it's even funnier if they weren't actually being ambushed and Jane is just drunk and she's just like picking them up, like, you're coming with me now. You're coming. Come come here, you Egan. Come here. Doesn't even know who it is. So we're going to go into a brief, very brief history in the Black Hills because there's more episodes that are going to pertain to more. But uh, before gold was discovered in the Black Hills, very few settlers actually came to live on the land. We will see in Red Cloud's episode that this may seem better off for the Sioux in the area, uh, but it's still pretty damaging. Immigrants moving from California to find California gold or using the Oregon Trail would cut through the area on their way. While hunting, they would chase away the buffalo and any other game that the Sioux depended on for a living. If I were to compare the Black Hills to a Christian site, it would have to be Jerusalem. They believed that they literally walked out of the caves and and came to life. The tribe itself had only been on the land for less than a century, uh, in part because of Western immigrants coming into their land and other tribes being pushed back, so on and so forth. Uh, The Sioux then obviously get pushed back. In effect, uh, from Red Cloud's War, the reservation system has started, and within within the last couple of years, in this timeline, the Black Hills specifically were reserved for the Sioux and the Americans couldn't go on it until gold is discovered. And now immigrants really want to come in and not just passing through. They want to set up camp during this time. There is now a large amount of fighting that has already happened just to keep the immigrants from passing through the land. And now permanent settlements want to be established. The government sends men in like George Crook to de- and George Custer to protect the immigrants. Okay, back to Calamity. In Martha's own words, she would say in 1875, the Black Hills, quote, weren't nothing here but a few miners, and they wouldn't have left, and they wouldn't have been here all the time if me and the soldiers hadn't kept them out and took away from the engines. Yes, I was a regular man in them days, and I knew a creek... And I knew every creek and holler from the Missouri to the Pacific. Jane would claim to be a a scout for Custer. But in reality, she was actually with another uh, on the Jenny expedition. She was already wearing men's clothing, but now starts wearing a military uniform. She does not have a rank with the military and is a camp follower, but in her autobiography, she overplays exactly what she does. So wait, she was following the military around in military clothing, but she wasn't a part of the military, so she didn't have like any rank or insignia or anything like that. Correct. Weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a woman that loud in that era in men's clothing stuck out. <laughs> well, and then why? Yeah. I mean, why, why was she being so loud if she wanted to like interject into their into the military you know i think that's just her personality i don't don't think if there's one thing calamity is she tells a really tall story but 
she's herself. I mean, in some parts, I really admire her because I'm not going to get naked in the street because I'm drunk. Like I'm walking right. down the street. Like she. Yeah, I'm not going to do that again naked. either. She's herself. So you're. Oh, wait, what? And <laughs> hey, anyways, go on. Your mother listens to this man, or does she know? <laughs> does know. <laughs> All right. While she, while Jane, I got to get that image of Matt out of my head. Um, while she is in fil- while Jane is in full military garb, uh, she would do salutes back, not knowing uh, she would actually get salutes back from men, not knowing that she was actually a woman. Uh, the first picture of her being taken uh, in men's clothing was taken here around this time. So we've already kind of talked about this, but women are not common in the West. Typically, when men come into an area first, rather as travelers, soldiers, whatever, women and children uh, are come to be seen as when you're going to set up more permanent homes. Jane would have really stuck out as a woman. And in order for her to stick around the camp, she either had to be a camp follower with the other women, or she would have to disguise herself in a man's clothing as much as possible. One other woman Jane likely befriended was a woman named Little Frank. The two may have held a pharaoh game, which is a card game that was very popular in the time, uh, with the men in order to gain some money. Uh, there is a small report of Frank and Martha having a wild spending orgy when the two seem to have, when the two seem to have been seen together quite a bit. Um, So not only is she, well, again, she's still young. So even when she gets money, she likes to spend it. I can uh, relate with that. Um, And we could probably talk about this here, but there isn't much evidence of Martha being a lesbian in the HBO Deadwood series. There is a lesbian storyline and outside of that rumors are always been there. Jane isn't married yet, but she will have a few husbands and some children. Now this doesn't mean that she still wasn't gay. Also, it just means the evidence supports she has a husband and children and she may not have been a lesbian, but who knows? I think any tomboy who has ever lived has had to deal with those rumors. So. Right. I was just about to say it has had to deal with those kind of talks and discussions around them. Jane claimed to be a part of George Crook's campaign where she would wrote, quote, during the march, I would swim back to the Black River at Fort Fetterman as I was the bearer of important dispatches. I had to walk in a 90 mile ride to make. Being wet and cold, I contracted a severe illness that was sent back to General Crook's ambulance uh, at two Fort Fetterman, where I laid in the hospital for 14 days. So again, in Jane's autobiography, if I haven't made this point established enough, she claims she was a scout and a messenger for Crook. As all messengers are named in dispatches, Martha's name was never mentioned in them. It is possible that she may have scouted for a quick time, but it's not in the amount that she claims. The stories of her being a scout do start to give her small amount of fame and her personality, but in reality, 
Martha may have been kicked out when she was discovered for not being a man. Right. Wait a second. You're not a man. Get out of here. Right. And you'd, you'd know this better than I would, but I'm assuming they write down all of their messengers because if that messenger goes missing, you need to know what reports they had at the time or, or like, I mean, we really don't have messengers anymore. <laughs> Fair enough. You don't use the telegraph machine. <laughs> that Morse code machine, you know, it always is breaking down and we just don't, we got to send, you know, you got to run 10,000 miles. Let's go. Chop, chop. Pony Express. I like it. No, but I assume, um, I assume they would, or at least have some sort of record just in case. I, I, I'm sent, I mean, because they're running through some stuff that they're probably not coming back from too. So, I mean, I'm sure a lot of messengers got lost. Oh, fair enough. I just, that was the only thing I could think of. Because like, literally every time, and not only the main source I used, um, but in other ones, it was a lot of, Jane claims this in her autobiography. But here's why that's wrong. And here's why she's a big fat liar and who's lying her pants off. And well, even scouting, like even scouting, like you're going into quote unquote enemy territory by yourself because you're scouting. So, I mean, even if she said she scouted for a while, they would have still had to have known, like, they're not just going to be like you over there. Go. I mean, you, you know what I mean? So interesting. Oh, I just that was the only thing I could think of. And tell me if you can say this sentence without a slur in Martha's voice, but Jane would also claim that Custer would still be alive if only he had listened to her. Cue my eye roll right now. <laughs> hey, that that Custer would still be alive if you would just listen. Yep, she would have just saved everyone. Single-handedly. Against all 10,000 Sioux. Jane meets Wild Bill Hickok at Fort Laramie, uh, along with Colorado Charlie Utter. And I feel like, who has ever watched Deadwood, every time I mention a character from the show, someone just perked up in their car seat. You know who you are. No reason to point you out. Maybe a clue to Wild Bill and Charlie that the officers insist that they take Jane with them. When they were tracked down... Uh, when they are tracked down by Jane, they find her drunk and nearly naked after spending her entire paycheck on a couple day long bender. Despite her appearance, they still they still take her along. Jane is in her mid twenties still. <laughs> Not a lot of movement for this woman. <laughs> Jane would later claim that they would have a long friendship, but in reality, they'd only just met. Hickok just married Agnes Lake Thatcher and seems committed to her during the period. Wild Bill seems to have had zero interest in Martha whatsoever. In fact, he was likely probably more annoyed by her than anything. Remembering going back to Wild Bill Hickok, I remember you saying that. And didn't you say there's even some reports, if I'm remembering this correctly, that like he didn't like her at all? Correct. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say. I mean, he might not have been attracted to her, but I mean, I remember you saying that, like, there's some reports that, like, he didn't even like her as a person. And if you think where Bill is at in his life, he's just off of the Buffalo Bill Cody stuff. So he's already, like, bitter, like, viral. 
he's months yeah. away from dying. Like, I was just about to say he's close to dying. I mean, he's married like he, but he's off. Right. So uh, I also, I might make a, a minor correction. I don't know why this has bothered me since wild bills episode, but he, I think I said in his episode that he was only there for less than a month. He was there for a couple months, like June, June through August, I believe. So don't know why that one particular line has bothered me, but there's my correction for you all. I don't think anyone else probably heard it other than me, but for the sake of accuracy, there it is. So anyway, uh, Jane, Wild Bill, uh, not not doing the nasty whatsoever. Jane would help. Uh, Jane would help uh, as the camp cook would tell wild stories uh, at the fire around the night and would actually gather a crowd. Hickok was in charge of the barrel of whiskey, as anyone would want to be. Jane would have to come and ask permission to get a drink and would say, Mr. Hickok, I am dry. And after a while, Hickok would have to turn Jane down, saying other men were dry as well, Jane, and that Jane needed to slow down. Hickok may have been impressed with her shooting skills, as when a coyote comes into camp, men shoot at it with their rifles and miss. Jane, however, is able to pull out her six-shooter and is able to shoot it from about 100 yards away. Pretty impressive shot with a revolver when men are using missing it with their rifles. In June 1876, they arrive in Deadwood, and Martha continues working various jobs. Rumors have her prostituting at a dance at Al Swearington's Gem Saloon. Somebody just popped up again. And maybe... Jane even recruited for Swearington, for Swearingen, uh, even going as far as Nebraska in order to recruit women. Jane befriends a woman named Tidbit while working for a man named Laughing Sam. It's, it's funny to me. Everyone has like a dang nickname. Isn't it great? Actually, Good old Tidbit. This is a callback. How, what, how cool is the uh, nickname Tidbit? Scale of one to ten. I mean, I don't know the context in which she is named Tidbit. So, I mean, as a whole, it's whatever, like a three, four. Laughing Man. Sam. I like that one because he that, that to me makes it seem like he's a, a good, you know, Maniac. funny dude. Everyone likes him. No, he's not the guy that sit there going. <laughs> he's Isn't more he? of a hey, look, it's uh, it's laughing Sam. Always got a laugh in him. I don't know. That's probably a five or six. Fair enough. While working, uh, a man named Laughing Sam attempts to pay in gold dust, which in reality was actually glass filings and black sand. Learning of the deception, Martha borrows Charlie Utter's revolvers and walks into the saloon where Laughing Sam is running a faro game. Martha, with a gun in her hand, accused Laughing Sam, uh, a bystander would say, I have never heard a man give such a cussing as she gave him. And Jane wouldn't leave until Laughing Sam paid Tidbit two $20 pieces. Which, if I'm remembering right, was twice of what the charged amount was. So don't screw with calamity. I'm guessing he was not laughing. Probably not. I still think he's frowning, Sam. <laughs> Are you proud of yourself? <laughs> oh, that was a good one. 
Frowning that's Sam was a good one. <laughs> that's a good slap on the back. I don't know why that made me giggle. <laughs> so Martha, as we can tell, is loud, braggadocious, and for lack of better a word, mm, she's kind of acting like a man as far as the era would determine her. She definitely stuck out and is developing a low-level version of fame throughout the territory. Uh, she would make more claims that sound more and more like barroom talk than credible stories. Hold my beer kind of stuff. When McCall shoots Hickok in August, Jane states in her autobiography, quote, I was in Deadwood at the time and was hearing of the killing made my way at once to the scene of the shooting and found that my friend had been killed by McCall. I at once started to look for the assassin and found him at Sturdy's butcher shop and grabbed a meat cleaver and made him throw his hands up. Though the excitement, though the excitement of hearing of Bill's death, I had left my weapons on the post of my bed. He was taken, McCall, was taken to a log cabin and locked up, well secured as everyone thought, but he had got away and afterwards he caught up at Fagan's ranch on Horse Creek while an old Cheyenne rode. And while and was taken to Yankin, South Dakota, where he was tried, sentenced, and hung. So she helped, She was in the party that helped um, retrieve him? No, no. She retrieved him. <laughs> oh, both times. Both times. No, no, because he got out. And I, I'm guessing she's referring to Yankton? Yes, Yankton, South Dakota. So she caught him. With a butcher knife, when he just shot Hickok, there is a literal saying of not to bring a knife to a gunfight. Right. I was just going to ask about, like, where was his... But, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. He really just had a problem with Hickok, right? Uh, yes, because he gave him breakfast money, essentially. Right. Uh, Hickok yeah. gave him breakfast money. Let's not confuse that for the other way around. <laughs> So, in reality, McCall fled on horseback and is captured after his saddle fell off the horse. Not exactly. <laughs> yep. Not even a heroic getaway. Can you imagine? He's like, ah, I got to get out of here. <laughs> Slow pan off the horse. Right? Like you just see the saddle just... <laughs> he's just sliding well crap <laughs> right like oh geez that's like literally the crappiest way to get caught i mean at least do it heroically right so they've already proved they can already prove that that story is false yes but the thing is when she wrote the autobiography nobody could really verify it like it went out well i mean yeah you can't read it's not like if people were reading a preview of it right and you also got to think like, even like logically, and it points it out in the book too, but logically McCall just killed wild Bill Hickok. Why would he hesitate to not kill calamity Jane when she just has a butcher's knife? Right. Like if you were getting like, put your hands up, I'm just going to draw on you. Cause I could probably shoot you faster than you can. No, you put your hands up, lady. Right. I have the gun. And that's weird that it, it was in, he what? He just like killed him and then went, I'm going to go get some meat. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I would try and 
be running out of town. Right. Well, I think in her story, he ran. That's where she she cornered him was in the butcher shop. I don't think he just. Oh, ran. like she was chasing him and he kind of ran in. He wasn't. Oh, the way I was thinking, like he was like, I'll take some a pound of this bison right here. Just a casual stroll. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Comes inside his suspenders. Hey, he had the money, right? Yeah, he, he had breakfast money. He did. Yep. Uh, I have no segue. Robberies and attempted robberies by trail robbers called highwaymen occurred predominantly among the trails from the Cheyenne, from the road from Cheyenne to Custer to Deadwood. One robbery gone wrong was when a stagecoach driver, Johnny Walker, was killed. When Walker is confronted by five highwaymen, Slaughter tried to stop the stage, apparently not fast enough for one of the thieves because they, quote, blew him off his horse with a shotgun. The horses uh, bolted and ran off into Deadwood. Local citizens tried to capture the highwaymen and were successful. Jane's autobiography. As the horses stopped, I rode along the side of the coach and found the driver, John Slaughter, lying face downwards in the boot of the stage. He had been shot by the Indians. While the while the stage got to the station, the Indians hid in the bushes. I immediately removed all the baggage from the coach except the mail. I then took the driver's seat and then, in all haste, drove to Deadwood, carrying all six passengers and the dead driver. Slight difference in reality there. I think you can actually hear a hiccup a drunk hiccup in the middle of that story. Martha would hint that she was romantically involved with the members of the Bevins gang, which is a small town outlaw group. She would brag that she was familiar with every road agent in the area, but authorities never seemed to take her seriously as being an actual member. Martha in reality was an everyday person trying to make a living. I spent the first half of the research being really frustrated with her because I don't think she's told more than three truthful stories in the time we've been recording. And then you just kind of come to the realization of like, yeah, she's lying. Who does this hurt at this particular station? Like at this particular point, they're all their barroom stories. So like, I don't know. That's when I started to. Right. Like, She's telling them to get clout, pretty much. Or like, look what I did. Right. Right. And as you, we'll get into it in a bit, so we'll go on to that point. It's clear at this point that Jane uh, may have a problem with alcohol. This isn't unique out West, but it was unique for a woman. Uh, Jane would be described during this time. Quote, Jane grew up among the roughest and tumble in the world and is today the mo- what delicate with society would denominate as a strong-minded woman. She is about 22 years old and is in dark complexion, high cheekbones, and an awkward walk, a receding brow, black hair, rather pleasant eyes, and when in the passion emitting a greenish glare. Her movements are all free and unstudied, yet no sense of unbecoming. Her conversation is animated. Her language good and her heart warm and generous. She imitates no one. She is an original in herself, despises hypocrisy, and is easily melted to tears. 
She is generous, forgiving, kind-hearted, sociable, and yet when aroused in all the daring and the courage of the lion and or the devil himself. When dressed in her own garments, she looks comely. When equipped as a man, she has all the characteristics of the sterner sex, with her pistols, bowie knives, and other weapons of death. Pretty much everything we've talked about the last hour in about three paragraphs. <laughs> Summed it all up. Uh, writer Dan Scott, not particularly impressed at all with Martha, as she's being hailed in newspapers as a hero, along with the lines of a Wild Bill Hickok, a Buffalo Bill Cody. Uh, it's just too much for him. Dan Scott wrote an attack calling her basically a fraud, uh, saying, quote, if she were judged on merit, 100 waiter girls and mop squeezers in the gulch are, in, are her superiors in anything the reader can name. Pretty harsh. Well, continuing the quote, she mostly lays around with the road agents on the prairies. Scott thought her form of features were not only indifferent, but repulsive. Yet everybody who had come to the Black Hills knows Calamity Jane. Newspapers have thrown her up on the surface of public notice. Dan Scott got off easy, as when another Cheyenne newspaper called Martha, uh, calling her out on having a small flame of notoriety, uh, of having characteristics that were not impressive, but she was just very loud. Martha, quote, Martha wearing a cavalry uniform and carrying a bullwhip rode into Cheyenne, visited the newspaper's office, according to the editor, who related the encounter with his humor and a, uh, and we so we don't know this is, this is going to be at the editor's depiction, so we don't know if he's being humorous or if this is actually what happened. But when Jane kicks in the door and says, "I want to see the fighting editor. I am Calamity Jane. I'm just in from the Black Hills." Are you the fighting editor? She then cracks her whip at a big fly on the ceiling. And according to the newspaper, quote, hitting it in the left ear. She hit a hot, a fly in the left ear, right in the, (laughs) (laughs) knocking it out of time. I don't even think she looked at it. The editor quickly fled to another room to escape through the skylight. And when he returned, The office was in a mess with a note that Calamity Jane uh, made the office boy write for her as and was pinned at the door. It read, printed in the leader that Calamity Jane, the child of the regiment and pioneer white woman of the Black Hills is in Cheyenne or I'll help or I'll help you skin you alive, hang you to a telegraph pole. You hear me and don't you forget it. Signed Calamity Jane. Cool. All right, all right. Don't talk bad about her. Don't talk bad about her. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Nope. You shut up. And actually, what you do is you just give her a drink. That's what you do. Uh, she may have gotten married, or she got married during this time to a George Cogrove. It's not really known how long she's with him because uh, she leaves him pretty quick. So, husband number one, George Cosgrove. No kids with him. No. So if we were to stop the story here, we likely would not have heard of Martha Canary. Calamity Jane, however, 
does become a fictionalized character in Edward Wheeler's unfortunately named dime novel series, Deadwood Dick. Pause for childish laughter. The first edition drops in 1877 and has a series runs for 33 editions over the span of eight years. Calamity Jane is mentioned in about half using someone's name, uh, is mentioned in about half of them. Using someone else's namesake is not common in this area, in this, it's not uncommon as it happens to Wild Billy Hickok, Jesse James, and Buffalo Bill Cody, so on and so forth. Jane and Deadwood Dick are on again, off again lovers, masters of disguises, intelligent, and excellent shots. Jane and Deadwood Dick would take on would take on evildoers doing impossible odds and using their intellect, trying to skills and using their skills to escape. The character Calamity Jane, whose name in the novel is Jenny Forrest, was based more on another woman named Hurricane Nell, an other frontier woman uh, that that had used Calamity Jane's name. However, because Calamity Jane's partner is Deadwood Dick and Martha Canary lived in Deadwood, South Dakota, or Dakota Territory, the public assumes that she is the character in real life. Jane's character would also smoke, swear, drink, wear men's clothing, but would also wear a diamond ring uh, and would have a rough dialogue drop for more learned speak when the situation called. She had tan skin, piercing eyes, and charisma that multiple men would fall in love with her. In the story, Calamity Jane may have been, quote, ruined by other men in her past, which gave her her rough personality, but she was always maintained her pureness inside. She would be tough, she would be tough, but would submit into traditional gender roles as Deadwood Dick would fall in love and they would be married for a brief time. As the characters are going to be married, a fictionalized Calamity Jane wants to ensure Deadwood Dick is as pure as his motives. She disguises herself as Little Toothpick. Need a ranking on Little Toothpick? One. Little Toothpick. She tries to seduce Deadwood Dick as Little Toothpick and tries to throw some shade towards Calamity Jane. Deadwood Dick angrily says, don't disparage her character or you will make me forget that I am a man and you a weak woman. What the girl may have done concerns you not and a single misstep may not curse her forever. You'll be happy to know that Dick passes the test. Oh, Dick, you're my hero. (laughs) During the marriage, Jane is taken by captives, uh, taken by captives as feeds us as Captain Crackshot. Ranking? I mean, Captain Crackshot? That's a good one, because that means he's a good shooter, like a seven. And Tralali Charlie. No, don't like it. I, I think know. that's so fun to say. <laughs> Tralali Charlie? The first Charlie I run into. His name is going to be Tralali from now on. We got to become friends because I have a perfect nickname for you. God, what's your name? Chuck? Nope, you're Charlie now. 
When Jane refuses Tra-La-Lee Charlie's advantages, he nearly beats her to death, but Jane is able to escape, and then when Deadwood and then save Deadwood Duck Dick from a tribe of Ponca warriors who had been fated to be burned at the stake. This is all in his stories, correct? This is all in the 33-run story. This is not Martha right. Canary. When Calamity is caught kissing an evil doer, an evil doer, the couple settle custody of Deadwood Dick Jr. <laughs> because of course. Deadwood Dick Jr. <laughs> we'll confuse the readers if we don't put Deadwood in his name. Right. <laughs> How will they ever know? The couple settled the custody of Deadwood Dick Jr. over a card game. Jesus. When Deadwood Dick wins, a distraught Jane tries to shoot herself. But when the gun is pushed away, it fires and shoots the man Jane was kissing. Oh my god. He was a good author. <laughs> I just picture like overly dramatic actors like, oh, I must kill myself because I lost my son to a poker game. Shot. Oh my God, you cop the adulteress. Oh, okay. The gun is pushed out and kills the man Jane is kissing. The couple make up for it in the final, the couple make up and in the final run of the series, Jane is captured and is hung as Dick's accomplice. Deadwood Dick is killed getting into getting his revenge, and the two characters are buried next to each other. Jeez, pretty morbid ending. Yeah, I really had to sum that up at the end, but if we ever get a chance for a bonus episode, it would be fun to read one of those. Back in reality, Martha Canary uh, would move around in modern-day South Dakota for the run of the Deadwood Dick series. Said it before, but this is where Calamity Jane is famous, and maybe Martha Canary not so much. But she's known to a lot more people now after the series. Her husband and her would have a newborn child. Uh, unlike her famous Deadwood Dick dime novel heroine, she did not wear diamond rings as her and George lived in poverty. Oh, she would tell the men at the bar that she was working as a scout and was, quote, living straight. And then she didn't do any business on the outside. Always living a nomadic life, Martha moved around for pure Miles Silly, Miles City, Billings, Montana, and she would basically follow the railroad from place to place throughout Dakota Territory through Montana, where she would again work as a freighter, laundry services, part-time nurse, a cook, uh, ran roadside ranches, and due to her dime novel fame, worked on stage. She even managed to re remain sober enough to become a bartender and was good enough and was really proud that she could slide the glass down the counter and have it stop at the intended customer. Uh, she then leaves George for a man described as her darling Jim. That's all we have on him. Goodbye, darling Jim. <laughs> he's up, he's down. Yeah, go, go right back down in your hole. Jane is interviewed for coming off her fame at the Dime, uh, Dime Novel stories in various newspaper and articles. She would say that she, quote, never went to school, can neither read nor write. Uh, the recorder asks for a duration of her nickname, and Martha answers, quote, because of the calamity of my birth. I ought never to have been, been 
not, ought never to have been born. It is not my real name. Another newspaper, Thomas Newsom writes, The Life and Drama of the Black Hills in 1878, where Martha is the main character and includes a long one page and includes a one page bio from Newsom's experiences. During Newsom's piece, Jane is interviewed on stage in front of the audience. This is also that fictionalized story that I read earlier. That's where this is from. So I just moved it because it was easier to talk about the bar, all the bar scene stuff in one. Um, but this is actually where that is from. Uh, so Jane is now up on stage taking interviews. And this is where the story becomes a little sad. When asked about her parents' birth, Jane invents a backstory. She said that her father was a soldier and her mother was a laundress. She explains that she was born, quote, in the army after my father's death. The interviewer then asks Jane, aren't you tired of this way of living? Jane responds with a simple yes. And the stage closes as Calamity Jane has her hands in her hand, head in her hands, crying. Right. (laughs) That's a gut punch, isn't it? She's been so jolly and happy. And now it's like, oh, but now it's too much. Stay happy forever, though. Right. Once the railroads were built up and more tracks are laid, she moves along with it. She then remarries, though it isn't known to who. It doesn't matter because she leaves him as well. She drifts around quietly until the mid-1880s, but where she gives birth to a little baby boy where she called, quote, my little calamity. However, the boy must have died in infancy because she doesn't talk about him or that he's not seen in future travels. She would continue her party ways. When she was asked to give a short speech but failed to appear after having started drinking, drinking early and was dead drunk by morning. She then found the door to the shepherd's saloon locked. Well, because it wasn't opened yet. Instead of coming back later, she takes out her six shooters and shot the doorknob off of the front door. And as it results, ended up not giving the speech, but ended up having to sit a couple days in jail. Back to her old ways. Jane would remarry again and break it off with her husband off and on. Uh, it is not domestic bliss. The husband would get arrested for beating Jane, which obviously doesn't help the alcoholism. She likely marries the man that she likely married him because she wanted to make the birth of her daughter legitimate. It doesn't last long. And in Jane's biography, she would write that the man is Burke is named her father. And that's actually the name that she uses in the autobiography is Burke. Okay. Last name. Last name. Martha is invited back to Deadwood in the in the 1890s as a reunion. She came in as a dress instead of her anticipated buckskin outfit that she was famous for. Her shoes didn't match her dress uh, as she gave it to someone who was sitting on the train as she was worn out. The benefit was held in her honor, and she was so excited that she actually used the money raised. To pay for everyone's drink. <laughs> she then went on a couple day bender celebrating the deep oh, night <laughs> where the Deadwood police let her shout all night actions that would have seen other people in jail. Oh, it's just calamity. Just do her thing. Even when she's 
getting money raised for her, she'll buy you a drink and you spend all that money. Goodness gracious. She does another interview with a man named Fox. Fox observed as Martha gathered chairs for them to sit down. Jane was, quote, of medium height, robust, rather inclined, robust, rather inclined to stoutness and looks to be in the prime of life. But I believe she is past that through her hair, which is long, still retains her natural brown color. Her eyes and a dark are dark gray and their expressions are many. Her chin is firm and her mouth decided. During the interview, she reminisced about her early days when she first arrived in the Black Hills and told Fox about her early life and that her parents dying when she was still quite young. The reporter asked what she did afterwards. Martha replied, quote, well, we lived near a post and then them soldiers took care of me. I didn't know nothing about women nor how white folks lived. All I knew was how to rustle grub and steal food from behind a stagecoach from camping. Martha now told Fox that she was 43, which actually makes her older than she actually was. But Martha claimed, quote, everybody says I don't look it, but it's because I've lived outdoors and had such good health. I don't claim to be an engine, but I guess I'm part where I just lived and roam around and live like them. I told my husband I'd rather get us each a pony and ride out to the States and go for cars and go on the cars or she meant the railroad. She talked about her recent life and marriage quote. I'm honestly married to this man. I had to go to Texas to get him. She said, laughing, no one around here would have me. She added saying that they attempted to re they attempted ranching in Montana where they lived at a log cabin and kept boarders for rent. And when they didn't pay up quote, Oh, finally, we went into business into the boom town. And when the boom died, we lost everything. I got lots of chances to do shows and stuff like that in the East. I'm getting old and can't work, but I, and I ain't nobody know how. So I might as well do that as anything else. All I ask is be spared my health. She then started to get emotional as her daughter came up. So as to give my little girl an education, for when I do go, she will have some way to support herself. I never had no chance to learn nothing. I don't care what they say about me, but I want my daughter to be honest and respectable. When Martha's daughter returns from school during the interview, she says, quote, here comes Jessie from school. I'm glad she has come while you're here and I want you to see her. She's all I've got to live for. She's my only comfort. I had a little boy, but he died. As the interview was closing, she grabbed Fox by the hand and said, I'm so glad you come. It seems so good to talk to somebody decent. I've been tough and have lived a bad life. And like all them, I've made mistakes. And I see when I, and I can see it when it comes to be late. I'd like to be respectable, but nobody will notice me. They say that this old calamity Jane, I ain't, and I've got enough women left in me to know it's tough to hear them say it. The reporter then saw that Martha's eyes were overflowing with tears. Yeah, I don't have any words. That's really depressing. I mean, later in life, she just, well, apparently not, because I mean, she did go on that bender and stuff. But I mean, yeah, it's it was probably pretty rough for her. 
I can imagine what she had to go through. Like once you have that reputation, you have to live up to that reputation to where anytime somebody sees calamity, Jane, you have to be on. And that had to be Mm -hmm. old, especially when you're now a mother and she's not particularly old. She's in her upper thirties when she gives that interview, she claims to be 30, 43. But what you also don't know is how ravaged her mind was because of all of the drinking. Right. Like she did a lot of drinking in her early. Well, I mean, still, I mean, she was still going on benders. Right. So uh, the stage opportunity that she talked about was real. Uh, She joins Buffalo Bill's Wild West show. Uh, Some were worried that she would actually drink herself out of a contract that paid $50 a week. Oh, wow. That's pretty good. Uh, Plus the expenses for a couple months travel with a traveling stage show. In preparation for the show, she would shoot at 100 paces, five out of eight shot targets in a six-inch target with her Winchester rifle. Damn, she's a good shot. Yes, which is, I think when when I first thought of Calamity Jane, I thought there'd be a lot more of those stories. And there aren't many of those stories of look at her skill. It's a lot of look at this loud drunk woman who was mentioned in the dime novel. Martha behaved and was able to stay sober enough to perform. She wore her famous buckskin outfit and her customer made boots. She would tell of her days as a scout and she would recall how she caught McCall stories that she had likely been telling for over the years. During the tour, her autobiography was out and she would sell this in picture of her for income. The autobiography mutters her legacy quite a bit but she does do a decent job with the timeline, but greatly exaggerates her roles. People kept quiet while she was still alive. Sometime here, she separates from her husband again. I've lost count how many husbands she has. She had a few of them. And during her final years, her drinking binges would last days. She is kicked out of her home in Montana for threatening to stab a woman while Martha is drunk. She is sentenced to 60 days in jail, but spends the last half of her sentence in the hospital with rheumatism. She moves back into the Black Hills. She visits Wild Bill's grave. She becomes sick, travels from Terry, South Dakota, where she is bedridden, and then dies on August 1st, 1903. She is 47 years old and lays beside Wild Bill in Deadwood. So she ended up getting buried next to him. Correct. Which is the rumor is, and it's not really much of the rumor, but she is buried next to Wild Bill, not because, well, she really wanted to be buried next to him, but she was buried next to him because they, everyone knew Wild Bill didn't like Calamity. So it was like a practical joke on Wild Bill to have to be next to Calamity Jane for eternity. For eternity? Is that what, is that what like people say? Yes. See, I was thinking the other way, like where maybe they were like romantically involved. No, it was a, it was a big old joke on Bill. Poor guy. One last guy. (laughs) (laughs) And that is Calamity Jane. Now we move on to the rounds. I mean, I was kind of right by saying she was the rootinest tootinest. I mean, how about dang. that singing voice, though? Yeah, right. The old mule, huh? 
All right, now we will go on to ranking Calamity. Uh, we're going to start with Are You Satisfied? This is our biography round where Matt and I will be handing out negative 10 points to positive 10 points apiece on how satisfied we are with their story. Matt, how satisfied are you with Calamity Jane? You know, as we went through her biography, I couldn't help but I was entertained at some parts. I wasn't entertained at uh, other parts. And as you go through her life, um, I feel like the parts that were the most entertaining ended up being her stories, if you will. So it's interesting because you say, are you entertained? But it's fiction. Like a lot of her life, it, through her eyes anyways, was fictional, right? Even her autobiography was um felt like a a fictitious book that many people you know have been over the years been able to um find the real stories you know like such as um you know cornering um hick uh hickok's killer in the the meat market or the meat shop or whatever when really he just fell off his horse and um I'm going to give her a score. Unfortunately, um, it's probably the lowest score um, I've given so far, but I'm going to give her a three because overall I just realized that it the parts that were entertaining just weren't it. Right. They weren't. So I think she suffers from being an ordinary person who was given a large amount of fame by a dime novel series that took her name. And that's all you really know of her. Right. And I was going to say, I think that if those dime novels, like if she was never around for those dime novels to um, come about, I really, really don't think that she would have been the historical, like in the in the history books that we know her. And it's also interesting, too, that, you know, there's multiple Calamity Janes. And I realize, you know, you can you can find out which one was where and um based on like where they were at the time, but you know, those stories could have been um, fabricated even more by her, you know, so she could have done less than what we even think. Right. So, yeah, I, uh, I don't blame her for taking credit on all those stories. Cause if you have an opportunity to make a few dollars and you're living poverty, take your, take your shot. Who does it hurt? Like none of her lies hurt anyone. So I don't, I, I, again, I, I'm also going to go low. I'm going to go a little bit lower than you. I'm going to give her a two just because, uh, she didn't do much actual thing other than live. So good honor, but I'm going to go with a two, I think. All right. Next round. Be sure you are right. Then go ahead. This is our morality round where we're going to again hand out negative 10 to positive 10, depending on if we thought she was a good or a bad person. Matt, what do you think? I think she was just, you know, I'm going to say, I was just about to say, I think she's a person, just like a person, you know, she had good days and bad days. But I think, you know, with all of her trouble, I mean, her nickname was Calamity, right? I, I, I don't think she was a bad person, but I don't think she was also like went out of her way to be like a good straight and narrow person. Um, I'm going to actually, I'm going to give her like right in the middle. I think I'm going to give her, uh, I think I'm going to give her a, a five. I don't think she was evil, but I mean, she just wasn't, uh, she just didn't do yeah. anything good. She was a nurse 
uh, for a time. She did various other jobs. Uh, she seemed to really care about her daughter, but I don't know. I mean, obviously, because it's her daughter and she loved her. But just because she doesn't have, she doesn't have any negative marks against her, I don't believe, because I don't believe lying makes you a bad person in this case. Uh, we're going to come across people who have lied about pretty terrible things and there we're going to judge them on the morality, but here it's just, it just seems like harmless fun. So I'm not going to judge her too much on that. Um, I'm not going to go as high as five, but I think because she was a nurse, because she didn't do anything outrageously bad, I'm going to go with a two, I think, which will give her a score of seven. Um, and are you satisfied she got a score of five? So between she has a 12 between the first two categories. Moving on to hell with the consequences. It's her own round. Again, Matt and I will be handing out points of negative 10 to positive 10, depending on if we thought she was crazy or if she thought we, she was clever. Matt? I don't think she was clever. I mean, she was, no, 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 she wasn't clever. She didn't do anything. I mean, she wasn't crazy. She wasn't clever. Um, I mean, she didn't. Remind me if I'm missing anything. She broke into a bar room because, well, she shot a doorknob off of the saloon because it was closed. She hit the left eye or the left ear off of a fly because someone said negative things on her during a newspaper article. I don't think that makes her crazy. I think she just stood up for herself, but those are points. Uh, after that, I mean, she ran naked. She went streaking uh, on a fight, but other than that, she, she seems perfectly sane. I'm personally, I might, I'm going to sit with a zero because I don't think it's good or bad. I think she was an ordinary person. I was honestly going to go zero too. So So, uh, I'm glad we kind of agreed on that. I mean, yeah, like, like you said, she wasn't a good, she wasn't bad. She did stupid stuff, got arrested a few times, was crazy. Who has it? Right. (laughs) If you haven't been arrested, what were you doing in college? And do you really get a degree? Okay. Now we're going to freeze her score because if Jane's score right now sits at 12, Because she is positive, we're going to continue adding her points. But if Jane's score may have been negative 12, then we would continue to subtract points. But now, from here on out, we're just going to be adding points from 0 to 10. And with our first, our next round is draw, which is essentially how screwed are we if we face Calamity Jane in a duel? And... Small cricket sound? I'm going to say, I don't think she killed anybody, did she? Well, I obviously we'll go over that, but thinking back, I don't think she did. And I don't think she's the type of person to do that. I'm going to say like a, she was a good shot. She was a good shot and she could go into a drunken rage. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. But even, even when she went on a drunken rage, I mean, what did she say that one time? Um, uh, if these dogs are barking, you're dead or something like that. Yeah. Uh, they fall or they drop or something like that. Yeah, but then you went on and she didn't shoot at anybody that I 
can remember. So I'm going to go ahead. But because she's a good shot and, I mean, she did have a temper, I mean, depending on what it would be, um, I'm going to give it like a three. Yeah. I think that's fair. That is, you actually gave Billy the Kid the same score. (laughs) Did I really? Yeah, Billy the Kid got a three. Wild Billy Hickok got a three. (laughs) I just don't think any any of the people we've gone over so far, over almost half of them, like, aren't the type to just, like, shoot. "Ah, I'm so mad, I'm going to kill you. Ah." Yeah, shoot with emotion or whatever. They're very different reasons. We didn't kill Bill. We weren't scared of Billy because we didn't think we would uh, murder his entire family in existence. Wild Bill, we just wouldn't test him. Um, So, yeah, I think three is fine. I think she is the most credible threat outside of Tecumseh. If Tecumseh wanted to do something to you, he certainly could. But, yeah, I think... I'm going to go slightly lower than that. I'm going to go... You gave her a three, correct? Yeah. I'm just going to go a two. So that is five, which I think is more than reasonable. Next round, Legacy. How well-known are we? And I think this is... How well-known is Calamity Jane? And I think this is her round. If we're going strictly on name recognition, she's one of the bigger names we're going to see or that we're going to come across which frustrates me greatly because then you have someone like Tecumseh who should be more well-known for doing great things, but this isn't necessarily a comparison against Calamity. But if we're going strictly on name recognition, she has to at least be a five for me. And I think that's the score I'm going to go with. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. I think, like you said, that's just funny that some people that you think some people should be hired that just aren't unfortunately. Yeah. And then, I mean, look, she ended up not really doing much, but right. Unfor- or, I, I wouldn't say unfortunately, but um, she has just a little bit more clout, if you will. She had to have had a charisma because right. people were right. talking. She stuck out. I mean, they brought her back to Deadwood. Right. And they were excited to do it. And she, they held a benefit for her. Raised a bunch of money. Yeah, raised a bunch of money. And then she drank it all away because she paid for everyone's drink. And then went on a bender. Right. So she seems fun. I, I don't blame her for anything she did during her life. I, I just, as far as what she actually did, her name is carrying her. Her actions are not. Right. I agree. And I think it's those books, but anyways, death bonus. Do we want to give her, uh, this is how cool we thought her death story was. And honestly, it's... Mm. I would say maybe because of... But it it had nothing... I don't know if it had anything to do with her, but like just buried next to Hickok. I, I think that's pretty funny. <laughs> but otherwise, I mean, I would assume... Well, she did die pretty decently young. What was she, 42? 47 is what I think. Oh, right, People obviously. Say, we, don't but... know. We, we don't know 100% her age, but it's that's still fairly young. Right. Why don't uh-huh. you look look up a picture of of Calamity Jane next to Wild Bill's grave? It's her going over a her looking over his grave, um, and tell me how old she looks. Because I thought when it said that she lived a hard life, that picture is taken. I think within a year of her dying. Really. The one where it's like by a fence post? 
Yep, and she's leaning over it. Yep. Smiling. Uh, she does not look 47. Uh, she looks a little bit older than that. I, yeah. I. Or do you think she looks younger? I think she looks much older. I would have yeah, yeah, yeah. She looks in her fif- late 50s. Yeah. So she lived a real hard life. Um, I... If you want to, I mean, I'll be honest, she she could use some points. So if you wanted to give her a half point because she's buried next to Wild Bill. I would say a half it? point just because, yeah, just because that's just funny to me. Kind of funny. Okay. Uh, sure, why not? Half point, Jane. You did it. You charmed me. Uh, the next round, counting coup. Zero did she have? Uh, yeah, that's how many she killed. Yep. So zero, she didn't kill anyone except for a coyote with a revolver. So that brings her total score to 28 points. Mm, She was a good one. Outside of Tenskwatawa, who scored negative (laughs) 12, she is our lowest positive score, and she is 11 points behind Daniel Boone. Most of that is coming in her best round was legacy where she got 10. Right. I think that's just fine. We said last time that I was pulling away ahead. So we weren't going to flip a coin. So Matt is going to have first dibs on drafting her to our teams. And if we haven't explained the teams, uh, if you're just first time listening, uh, me and Matt are drafting teams of up to 20 on our roster and then at the end of this, we're going to, after the end of our ranking of 76 figures, we will then run a tournament where we will then go match up. So right now, Matt's roster comprises of Wild Bill Hickok. And mine comprises of, I've got to go onto my spreadsheet, of Daniel Boone, Billy the Kid, and Tecumseh. Tenskwatawa isn't a free agent, so Matt, if you would like to draft Calamity Jane for your team, for your lonely Wild Bill. You know, I'm going to, and I'll tell you why. I think her name carries some weight. Yeah, why not? So I'm going to go ahead and draft. And I mentioned it earlier, but just to let everyone know, the musical was made in 1953, and it is called Calamity Jane, and Doris Day is Calamity Jane. And surprisingly, the love interest in the story is Wild Bill Hickok. Of course it is. I think that's actually one of the main sources of where that came from. Didn't happen. Just to let you know, I thought I would look that up quick just in case anyone wanted to go ahead and watch it. I'm sure it's not that bad of a movie. (laughs) What a ringing endorsement. (laughs) This movie gets a meh. Well, I just know my dad loves it, so. That's why you're drafting. And also, you do have Wild Bill. Oh, God, that is even better. Now I'm even happier with my decision. <laughs> this is just another prank on Mr. Hickok. So, Kismet is what I think that is. Yes. Okay, well, uh, I just have one. I th- think it's very fitting to end this episode on Calamity. I think we should all just give a toast to Calamity, and the next time you're in a bar with someone, I think she would really appreciate it. I really dug her by the end of the research. Uh And with that said, I think that's it for me.
If you like what you heard today, go ahead and hit that like and subscribe button. We'd very much appreciate it. Also, give us a review on whatever podcast service you are listening to. We do have a Facebook group. It is a group, so you have to be invited in. But Eric or I will definitely invite you in. So don't worry about that. Just click the join group button. It is Ranking 76, the American West podcast. We also do have a instagram page i promise you it's getting up there i am working on it it is at ranking 76 podcast and finally our email ranking 76 pod at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you yeah and just random uh we do have a youtube the only thing that's getting posted on it are the episodes but we do have some ideas later on down the road uh so if you wanted to i don't know maybe give us a subscribe over there uh feel free it is free. And lastly, we hope you had a fantastic holiday season and a great new year. Welcome to 2022. As always, I'm Matt. And I'm Eric. And we will see you next time. 